Guess it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Welcome to the Buddy Martin Show. Back together again. Back together again. Yeah, ready to go. Yeah. We got a good night planned tonight, Brendan. Do we? The voice of the Gators coming up. Oh, that's, quite, that's, that's best news of the night. And Mick will be joining us. Lots of activity over the weekend. Lots. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Yeah. A little bit late for that, but it's anytime. It's not. It's a late night dilly dilly. We haven't had a chance oh, to talk okay. to him. We had a holiday. Okay. There are people out there. A lot of craftsmen happening. No one's sleeping. We're out too much. Coming up on the show after Mick, we've got uh, the Minister of Information. Graham Hall will join Woo! us. And Franz Beard will uh, join us. And we will talk about the decommits. Uh, take and a other breath. Things, right? Take a breath. Well, there's more news. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it's or, ordinary breakage. I'm not one to get panicky about somebody uh, decommitting. First of all, you've been around this. Before. Yeah, and here's the thing about it. Remember this. My friend Todd Springs reminded me of this. That these are 15 and 16 year old kids. We did have some decommit. Two of them, right from Ocala Vanguard. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and uh, they are, you know, first of all, it's too young. They're too young to be making commitments. There's reasoning behind it. I don't know the whole Chris Steele story, but neither by neither does anybody else. <laughs> I do know this. We know a lot. It has galvanized the Gator football team. The players themselves, if you read Twitter at all, you got to stay off Twitter. You can't get on there too much. I really don't. I don't do Twitter. Well, I do. I check it out now and then. But if you you watched this weekend, you saw what happened, and that is the Gator uh, football team is defending their coach, Dan Mullen, who's taking a bruising. And by the way, even his good friend, supposedly Paul Feinbaum, all over Dan Mullen on the, over the weekend, especially Friday on the Birmingham station. His comments were, my friend Paul Feinbaum, but not apparently Dan's. His quote was devastating, meaning what happened to the decommits of steel, primarily because of Dan Mullen's mouth. I don't think Paul is one to be talking about somebody's mouth. He's known as the mouth of the South. He's been running it for months, frankly. He's been running it since he born. Since he was born, he joked on the air on WJOX. So I was in his office three and a half weeks ago. I heard him running his mouth about Georgia, and it caught up to him. And now all those people who've been sitting around going, I wonder why he's doing that, are turning on him. I don't think so, Paul. I think you'll exaggerate just a little bit there on that one. Well, he is an Alabama guy. so. Well, now Paul really is pretty much down the road. Uh, He likes to stir it up. And... uh, Hey, he's entitled to his opinion. That's fine. But uh, it's kind of not how we see it here. 
Let's see who is here with us. Speaking of which, are we going to talk about? Are you going to talk about this Go breaking ahead. news? Go that ahead. Have, uh, Go uh, ahead. Uh, well, I won't. I won't read the whole thing. Go ahead. You got you, some. You, Brendan has Go some. Ahead. No, you, you have some breaking news. It's Go not for it. Breaking news. It's all over the internet. So well, obviously, that's uh, what it means. Breaking Juan, news. Uh, Black is not going to qualify. Juwan Black. Well, yeah, Juwan Black. It's all over. I've gotten several messages from different sources and uh, different people that uh, and the, what and, and his letter actually. From our sources that says, uh, uh, sorry, and I'll paraphrase, um, uh, yeah, excuse me, blah, blah, I'm upset, here to tell you that I will not be attending the University of Florida, I'll be attending a community college this summer, maybe, uh, maybe all I fail, but I'm, uh, but to me I've come a long way, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, but it's God's plan, God's plan. Uh, and I'm going to wipe these tears away because a man and finish. Blah, 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 blah. All right, we'll talk more about that later. Nah, time, time out of dial Mick and get started on that. And we'll say good evening to all you folks. We'll get to you, James Weaver, Brian Like Schneider, and share. Like Daniel and share. Smith, Alan Moore, Steve Young, Mike Mahortis. Thank you, Mike Mahortis, and others for keeping the lights on. Appreciate your help there, buddy. Your lights. My and lights we are on. That you'll stay with me and they'll be on. But all right, lots to talk about. Beer. Let's see if we can get a hold of Mick Hubert. Uh, who is probably not having a beer right now. He's Tampa one of the beer. most serious guys Tampa in the beer. world. Uh, if I can get him on with my new, let's see, we lost our... No, you have it right there. No, no. All right. Here. We lost it. Um, Bob Buddy's going to dial Mick up and uh, get him on, which is he's a fantastic interview, by the way. Uh, we're going to get to all that stuff. I don't think we need to uh, you know, talk a whole lot about... Uh, the Chris Steele situation, I think it's been talked about at nauseum. He's not coming back. He's not going to be a Florida Gator. And like you said, I think the team is somewhat galvanized over the whole thing, um, which I think is a good thing. I, I, like I said to somebody earlier today, at least we're not talking about Felipe Franks. <laughs> you know, I'm sure Felipe, to some degree, likes the fact that we're not talking about any quarterback controversy or anything like that, and, and the focus on the offseason is something else. So we're uh, calling Mick right now and see if he answers the phone. Um, there he is. Good evening, sir. Hello. Hey, good evening. Is this the voice of the Gators I'm talking to? Yes, it is. Uh, Mick, I can't hear you. <laughs> Hope you can hear me. Let's see here. What we got here? Oh, let me see. All right. We're going to see if we can figure this out. Mick, we're here. Just stand by. And we'll get right to you. Um, All right. And, I can hear uh, you. We're having yeah. a... Yeah. Yeah, Hi, Mick. You there? Hi, Mick. Yeah, I can hear you. Good. All right. Thank you very much. Sorry we had a little connection wrong there. Good. Well, first of all, congratulations, uh, you know, for the 30th year and the Hall of Fame we talked about before. But, man, it just goes by fast. And I remember that you said when you talked to Jeremy Foley like a year and a half or two years ago, the conversation you shared, I hope it's okay, is he said to you, Mick, you can kind of stay around here as long as you'd like. So that's good news for us and good news for you, my friend. Well, thank you, buddy. You know, that, that's exactly uh, what, what he had said to me that uh, I think it was, uh, I think we were celebrating 25 years at that point. And he said, Mick, I hope you're around for another 25. I go, wow, that's great, Jeremy. Thanks. Uh, I remember thinking at that time, I said, I'd be about 85 years old then. So I hope I'm around at that time also. <laughs> And uh, tongue-in-cheek, I, I, I've told that story a time or two to, to, to Scott Strickland. I said, you know, Scott, Jeremy hoped I'd be down here a long time. So <laughs> well, <laughs> hurts yeah. Do a good word. <laughs> hey, uh, that's uh, that's good stuff. And, and it, you're, in your, you're not in your rocking chair, but you're certainly comfortable, I know. And so 
Well, uh, but you're a workaholic, man. I don't think people know how you prepare. You over-prepare. And I know it's all in the name of doing a good show, which is what you're trying to do. And how much prep time do you do for, let's say, a typical football game? Well, you know, I, I, I stretch it out over the course of a week because I have the course of a week. Now, having said that, uh, could I do, uh, you know, a couple of football games a week? Yes, I probably could, but I'd have to adjust and alter the way I go about doing it. And I don't know if I'd be necessarily comfortable in doing that. And so I don't really want to do that. Uh, you know what I mean? But now, for example, basketball, because there's fewer players in basketball, but you play 35 games, you have to speed up your preparation. Now you don't have as many players to prepare because uh, you, you do do two or three games a week in basketball. So you kind of adjust to what you have. Uh, I, 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 I never know how much I'm preparing because uh, I'm just doing a, a thorough job to what I think. I'm going to use so when I get to the game I, I feel you know I can now be a fan and sit there and, and cheer and root and, and enjoy the game because I have everything prepared and right at my fingertips but if I've done a good job that is and so I, I love doing that so I've never looked at that as the work the, the work that I do Monday through Friday is all in preparation for a Saturday broadcast so I enjoy that work Monday through Friday so that I really can thoroughly enjoy a different kind of work on Saturday I here's the thing buddy I, I I just think when you speak for a living, uh, you're going to make mistakes. There are I, I'm going to I'm going to say things over the course of a four-hour broadcast that that's not necessarily always going to be correct. So why would I want to take a chance and, and and not prepare? You know, I, there are certain things that I can control. I need to control what I can control because uh, you know uh, how many mistakes would I make if I didn't prepare? I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. You can prepare all you want, and you're not going to be perfect. And I understand that. But it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it, it's similar to maybe coaching is that you got to you got to want to make sure you're fully prepared so that uh, you can react and uh, and do what you need to do at the time. Mick, this is Brendan Martin, Buddy Martin's uh, uh, offspring. How are you? Uh, I was. Uh, I, <laughs> Hi, Brendan. How are you, Mick? Uh, you know, I've, I've worked in broadcasting a long time. What did the production side of things? How hard is it for you uh, during a non-winning season to kind of, I guess, lack for a better phrase, you know, kind of get it up for the next game, or or to, to bring the excitement, or you know, or maybe even another blowout when you know, you know, you've got to at least try to, you know, uh, keep everyone around or whatever. Uh, is that is that difficult for you? I mean, you know, I know because especially a long season, if it's a foregone conclusion early, uh, is that difficult? You know, Brendan, it's really not been that difficult for me. Now, having said that, I've been very blessed here uh, in 30 years. We've had, I'm doing football, basketball, and baseball, and in almost every one of those 30 years, we've had at least two of those three sports being ultra successful in that calendar or that athletic year. I don't know that I've had a year where, you know, couple couple of teams have been bad and I don't think I've ever had a year where all three of them have not been good. Right. And in some years all three of them have been very good. So it just kind of rolls over one to the other. But I'll share this with you as I did the baseball game uh, yesterday it was on television uh, on the SEC network plus the the streaming and uh I went to the ballpark on Sunday and and they, they weren't having a they're not having a great year this year. Their their NCAA tournament uh, uh, future is, is is rather dim right now. They're not out of it, but uh, they're they're behind the eight ball, so to speak. And as I went to the ballpark, the thought that came to my mind was 
This is what Jack Brickhouse, the Hall of Fame broadcaster with the Chicago Cubs that I grew up watching back in the late 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. This is what he did every single day because, you know, for the for the younger people, they know the Cubs is being really good. The Cubs have been really good, especially with Joe Madden for the last five, six years, you know, world champions 2016. But I saw the Cub games when they had the upper deck closed. The upper deck was roped off. You couldn't go up there. They'd have a foul ball up there, and they'd show it, and the ball be bouncing around the seats. Nobody was up there. Uh, I would come home from school uh, and, and race home. I, I, I walked walked home five minutes from school, and I'd get home, and hopefully the game was in the seventh inning because, you know, back then they were all day games. So I'd turn the game on, WGN in Chicago. Super and station. Seven, eight, the ninth yeah. Yeah, and uh, – well, it was a local station for us back then, but uh, I watched it, and uh, there'd be nobody there. We're talking maybe 4,500, 6,500 fans. And so I walked to the game, went to the game yesterday, thinking, you know, Jack Brickhouse may earn his money because he had that great enthusiasm every Cubs game, and the Cubs might be 50 and 95 with 15 games to go. And school has started, and there's nobody there on a Tuesday afternoon on August the 28th, and they got 30 games to go something like that. And I, we didn't have a very big crowd yesterday and then they lost a heartbreaker five to four. And, and uh, I thought, you know what, you, you, you owe it to the fans who are tuning in and, and to, to have that enthusiasm. So I've always kind of had that because that's what I, that's what I grew up watching and listening. Now it's obviously easier when, uh, you know, you can ride the magic carpet ride and you just get on it and, and you go, I mean, you go cause the team is winning and, you know, and everybody's great. But sometimes you got to work a lot harder when the game isn't great. You know, you got to you got to do more. And so, but that, I enjoy that too. So I, I just been really blessed, and that's why I know this is what the, my anointing is. This is what I know I'm supposed to do, and and I never viewed it as a day of work at all. And so I enjoy doing this, and uh, hopefully I can do it many many more years. Before Buddy puts it in, I, I watched WGN Superstation from Colorado as a kid because we didn't have a baseball team. So that was the the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs in the late '80s and early '90s were were the only team I had. So that's that's, that's what I watched uh, mm-hmm. the Superstation every day in the summer. Uh, Mick, uh, uh, just a couple of quick things for you. Number one, I know I can tell from your voice how the game is going. Uh, a lot of times, I will leave <laughs> at right at halftime from the press box and drive home just in time to catch all of the fourth quarter and a little bit of the third. And I listen to you. I listen to you when I can, always in the third quarter. And I can tell by your inflection, your tone, on how what's going on. And you can't help but empathize with the team when you see them every day. It's your team. And you do a good job of keeping it down the middle. But clearly, when Felipe's not playing well or something happens on the defense, I can tell you lost hope. But isn't that what makes a good broadcaster for the home team is to be able to share some emotion as you do so great when they're winning, but even sometimes when they lose? Sure, I think so, buddy. It's the only way I know how to do it. I mean, uh, here I've said this on your show before, and I've said it many, many times. I broadcast for Gator fans. But I know there are others who are not Gator fans who are listening also. But I don't really broadcast necessarily for those gears. I'm broadcasting to the Gator fans. At the same time, I understand this. When you do something in the public eye, not every Gator fan likes Mick Hubert. And that's okay because there's not one way to do it. That's a lie. I may say, you know, 
He, he's no. He, he, I like David Steele a lot better. He's no Otis Boggs. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'm not Otis. I'm not David. I do it my way, an enthusiastic way, and, and and I get invested in the game. And you can hear that as you mentioned. And you know, the, the, you got to hear the the emotion in the voice. Uh, but if you were driving, if you were driving home, buddy, late third quarter of that South Carolina game. You heard the total gamut of the emotions because that game changed the whole course of Bowie View last season because it looked like Will Muschamp was going to come into the swamp and was going to beat the Gators. And Felipe Franks is getting booed by the swamp crowd. Mm. And all of a sudden, it changed. It just changed. And, and Felipe took off and we rallied to win the game and we didn't lose again. And, uh, you know, that, 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 that broadcast that day really encompassed a whole lot, a range of emotions from from the excitement of the pregame show, and I'm excited for every pregame show and for every kickoff <laughs> because it's zero zero. And then you you ride the emotional roller coaster throughout the course of the game. And uh, you know we not only salvaged that fourth quarter and won the game, but we, like I said, we salvaged the regular season and then and then went on and won over Michigan in the bowl game. That's what gives me great enthusiasm and excitement to look yeah. forward to this coming season. Yeah. I know. You know you, you're born to talk about what's in front of you on the field, and you do it very well, you, and, and you pick your spots to bring in your stories. But there are things that happen off the field, since you don't do a daily talk show or deal with those things, unless they come up in damn honest conversation. But how much are you aware of things like what's happened in the last – four or five days with the decommits of, uh, from, from the Gators class. And by the way, I don't overreact to it, but the fact is Chris Steele, uh, now the players have reacted to that. Uh, they put some twi- Twitter tweets up over the weekend. There are a couple of decommits right here in Ocala at Vanguard. On the other hand, they're 15-year-old kids, uh, and they're, they're, not, they're not even juniors yet. So a lot can happen between them. So I guess my question to you is, how much do you pay attention to those off-field stories like like recruiting? Buddy, if you could see me right now, I got my, my index finger pressed up against my thumb. And the distance between the finger and the thumb, that's about how much I care. <laughs> <laughs> you can't slice a piece of paper between my index finger and my thumb. I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm not on social media. So I don't chase that down 24 seven. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel bad. I, you know, no one wants to see a, a five-star recruit, uh, leave the program when he's only been through five weeks of spring training, uh, and looked like he was going to get, uh, ex- a lot of playing time. Wow. Uh, no one wants to see that. And no one wants to, see, but you're right in this regard. They're teenagers and they're going to, they're going to make several decisions. They're going to, they're going to change their minds several ways. And because of that, it all ties together. That's why I, I don't know anything about who the best left guard is in the state of Florida, who the best tight end is, because I don't follow recruiting like that because it doesn't serve me any purpose. When they come here and they get on the depth chart, see, I don't even know all 105 players in the program, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you get on the three-deep depth chart and now you become a factor in what I'm preparing to broadcast for Saturday, now – I'm going to know your story. Now I'm going to know you. But until that point in time, I, I just I don't have time for that. Uh, so okay. uh, you know, it, it, and that's never been my interest. Uh, I, I'm a play-by-play broadcaster, and I've never been one 
that and it has to follow all the off the field stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are other people that can do that. Uh, and, and those people, they can do that and they can relish in that and they can enjoy that, but they can't do play by play either. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a place for everybody in that regard in terms of being a reporter or a play by play guy. And I've always said this too. It's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to be a radio talk show host and be a play by play announcer because Unless you cut your teeth on knowing how to do play-by-play, you'll never be a great play-by-play announcer. You can't bring a talk show mentality to the broadcast booth and say, oh, by, oh, by the way, there's a, there's a touchdown. Oh by, oh, by the way, there's a base at the right field to run score. Because your conversation with the guy sitting next to you in the booth is not paramount. Well, maybe Van Scully could, but no, he, <laughs> but no human being could. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, even Vinny, Vinny. And I, I love Vinny. I studied Vinny, and and I know how much preparation he puts into it. And he can weave those. Now he's doing baseball too, which is now he was a great announcer in in all the sports. He mm-hmm. he had national television experience in, in basketball mm-hmm. and in football and everything. But he but he was based largely a baseball announcer, which lends itself perfectly to storytelling. Uh, but Vinny never told stories that got in the way of the the calling of the game. Yeah. He just was marvelous at weaving stories in and out because. You know, in a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game, you know, the action is maybe 30 or 40 minutes long. And he's got two-and-a-half hours to tell the stories. And that's why, basically, uh, the Dodgers let him basically work alone. He didn't really have an analyst with him because he was his own analyst and his own color commentator. And uh, it was it was great. I mean, when he announced he was retiring a couple of years ago, I, I like, wept. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, uh, so I, I, and I thought when he retired at age 88, he sounded to me like he was still 58. I didn't think he had lost anything. There's ball three, right? Uh, I guess he's, <laughs> hey, listen, he's 91 or 92 now. But, uh, uh, amazing. You know, he, he, hey, listen, we can, we need to schedule like a couple hours for this. A podcast. Because every time I get with you, we don't get started good until it's time to my producer's kicking me and saying we got to go. But I, I, wanted to, I wanted to just say one more thing real quick. And I know that uh, there's sure. been Dan. Dan has um, been a little controversial lately. The group on this show, they love it. A little bit of chippiness. There's been comparisons to Spurrier, his Georgia. Uh, you know, although he he said it was not intended. It was uh, the, his numbers strung out there talking about yeah the 41-14 thing and all that stuff, uh, the, the fourteen thousand etc. But uh, have you seen any personality change in Dan? I know you don't talk to him every day, and personally, I like it. But others, certain people like Five Bomb, ripped him for it. What's your take on Dan's personality and his? He seems to be having a lot of fun. I, I, you're right. I don't talk to him daily, and uh, I don't. I haven't seen any change at all. I love his personality. Uh, yeah, he's got a little bit of a Steve Spurrier in him. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve would say, uh, and we could apply that to other people in other walks of life, even present day. Uh, Steve would say, "Hey, if, if if our enemies like us, that means they're beating the hell out right. of us." You know, if they if they don't like us, that means we're beating them pretty good. And so, a lot of times, your critics are, are critical of you because you're beating them up pretty good. And if, if people around the league are talking real nice about Dan, it's probably because the Gators are, are, are four and eight. You know, but when we start, you know, getting getting uh, back on that ten win campaign again, you know, expect your people to be talking good about you. So that, I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely, I, I'm all right with that. I, I don't. Dan's think- got a got his head on straight and he's a solid guy and a good coach and uh you know he's got he, he, he's got a, you know he's got a he's got a he's got a style and he's got a winning system 
Well, so he's confident in what he's talking about. He's confident in what he's doing. He's got a veteran cohesive coaching staff. So, you know, you were in good hands. Well, don't we all we all kind of uh, uh, grow up a little bit in life as we go along? And I feel like you know the Dan Mullen uh, offensive coordinator, Tim Tebow, single, no Megan Mullen, is a is a what is it better version of himself um, these days. Uh, I think than he was back then, and I think we all learn things and we all get better. I have a rough personality. I I know how that goes. So um, you're grouchy. I, it's not so much that you just yeah. think you think you know all the time. You feel like you know the answer, and so it's hard. And I think I think you know Megan Mullen's a fantastic human being, and I, I you know seeing him now and then to me is a is is a, is, is is he's living the what your best version of yourself. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I would. I would agree. I, I, and Dan has admitted that. Dan uh, has said publicly, I believe, that uh, you know he, he thought he knew everything. You know, in two thousand four, two thousand six, and why not? You're offensive coordinator on a team that wins a national championship, and you're thirty five years old or whatnot. So, you know, I think Dan is obviously in that regard. He's sure he's he's mellowed and uh, he realized he, you know, he, he, he's a winner, but he also realized he, he went to Mississippi State, and while he did. did take them to number one in the country in 2014 there for that stretch you also know he got humbled a little bit and uh you know it's a humbling job and uh, i think dan's better for it and like you said brendan we all we all mellow over the course of time and uh you know it uh, it comes with it comes with age because <laughs> like they say they, why is the youth wasted on the young <laughs> <laughs> how much do you love your job hey nick we gotta go thank you buddy i appreciate it very much thanks for your time Congratulations again. Look forward to the season soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, my man. Buddy, thank you so much. Any, anytime. He's the best. You. You're the best, Mick. Thank uh, you. Thank you. All right. I couldn't he's the best. Uh, yeah, he's very good. Now, if I can just go get my well, next guest. Uh, uh-huh. What's wrong? For a producer. Well, you're, I'm not producing no, I'm, today. I know, and you, I am. So. No, no, so this is what it's Here's my like. friend, Diane Hightower. Job-related accidents create incredible stress on your finances, your relationships, and most importantly, your sense of well-being. When the adjuster is not approving benefits you're entitled to by law, you need Dan Hightower to help you understand all of your legal options. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. Call Daniel L. Hightower today to better understand all your legal options. 352-629-7777. Welcome back to the Buddy Martin Show, uh, and we just got done with Mick Hubert. This is a late night dilly day, but we haven't had a late night dilly dilly in a long time. Together. It's been a while, yes. I can tell you're a little bit in your box, and I appreciate I'm, I'm treading lightly tonight. I just want you to know I haven't pulled out the horn. I didn't dance Kiki. I was nice to no. Mick. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying, like Dan Mullen, I am, I am trying, YOLO. I'm YOLO tonight. Okay, that's good to know. Hashtag YOLO, hashtag Crown Prince. Time to talk to the um, to Graham Hall. We're going to get down to it. That's why we haven't said anything. So you want to like and share all this right now? We're talking. We're going about to talk to Graham Hall. Yeah. And we're going to get all into this whole thing. Oh, he's calling you. No, he's he's yeah, he is. He missed you. So hang up here, Mr. Hall. What's up, Greg? Hey, how you doing? Good man. Give me one second. Getting all yeah, set up. Yeah, you take your time. We're a little late. Sorry, we t- Mick Huber. No, you're all good. Oh, sorry, Mick Huber was on before you. Sorry, Gam. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry, pal. Yeah, we had apologize. to bump you ten minutes. I'm sorry. That. Yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. Man. It's all right. I'll I'll fill you next time. Yolo. Hey man, I was I was just Yolo. At, uh, okay. I was just at Cigar City on um on been. Friday. I've never been. Yeah, we went on a tour. Yeah. Is it really great? Because I'm a I'd big big fan of their stuff. Yeah, news we got tonight, Tampa, by the way. Uh, sorry, Graham. News tonight we got was Tuan Black. I know you heard about it. He didn't qualify. Sure. He's going JUCO. Oh, uh, getting right to the nitty gritty, which is what you like to do. Uh, sure. Well, what what, what did you hear about it? Brendan picked that up. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, th- there was a lot that, that Dewan did need to do um, to get into UF, and, and I think that was pretty general knowledge. Uh, many believed that he, he was on track, but it was a tenuous position. Uh, his intentions, and, and you know how these things work out, guys always want to eventually wind up at the school that they did ultimately sign with, and and, and Dewan does want to do that, but we'll see what happens. And Unfortunately, the hardest part uh, for Dan Mullen to swallow about is that Florida does also lose a scholarship and, and a very just unfortunate situation for him as well, too, where a lot of people were rooting for him, regardless of the fan base. I think many wanted him to succeed and, and get into you know, the University of Florida, considering how hard he worked to, to get to the point of being even able to sign. Why do so many people seem to reach out to him and you know, uh, seem to be uh, rooting for him. Uh, he seemed to capture a lot of fans' uh, imagination. Well, I, I think he was very personable and, and upfront and, and about who he was. And uh, he was honest about his own uh, work and his, his struggles to qualify and get into the university. He had talked often about how he wanted to do it to prove everyone wrong. And many people saw that effort play out on social media. I mean, he moved – from from Mississippi to the Kissimmee area to focus on on um, on his education and, and making sure that he could prepare right for his test without any distractions up there in Mississippi. I think that that seeing the steps that he made, you know, knowing how hard that is for a 17 year old to pick up and move states away, uh, really was endearing to a lot of people who were rooting for him to for it all to pay off. And and many, you know, he even addressed in his note. On social media tonight, saying that he was—it was hard to do this through the tears—and um, and I think that kind of that poignancy and that honesty was kind of sums up why a lot of people were rooting for him. You, you know, man, like I—I I, I mean, this is not a personal note. I mean, I struggled in school. Like I get it. Oh sure. Yeah, you know, I was a yeah. student athlete. Like I struggled, struggled, struggled. I tried, tried, tried. It's hard. Some of us just don't—you know—some of us just don't get it, and I, I feel for him. But in, I know everybody, you know, how everyone's been a source in the last five days. Everyone's going to keep telling me that, um, uh, to share his, his statement. And I don't think we need to, we kind of went through it. I don't think we need to share a statement. It's just like you said, as a guy, he's, he's bummed out. I mean, this is not what yeah. he wants. He wants to be at University of Florida. He wants to be a Gator probably more than anything else. And I think, you know, this is, could be the true testament of his character or not or whatever. But, you know, I hope to see him in a Gator uniform and, you know, we'll see in nine months. I mean, it's uh, you know anything can happen, and this this could be a this could make him a better person, athlete, and everything else. But I do wish him the best, and I think the Gators can use him. Sure, absolutely. It's a, it's it also the point can be made. You know, with all the work that he's put in, maybe continuing to focus on his education before getting to a university like the University of Florida would be beneficial to to anyone who maybe was on the cusp and and didn't get an exemplary high school education. Um, I think that 
uh, it's something that, and you'll see Dan Mullen chime in here pretty soon on Dwan Black because he is signed, and they could say that. But it's 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 a situation where a lot of people, like I said, seeing the effort that he put in and, and seeing how long he had gone through from from being recruited by Dan Mullen when, when Mullen was at Mississippi State. Uh, a lot of people thought that, that this would end in, on a very happy note and, and for it not initially or for that to be postponed. Um, there, there are a lot of people that, that I think rightfully feel like that, that nothing can kind of go right for Florida right now. And, and um, that is kind of ironic because, you know, Brendan, you mentioned everyone was kind of a source in, in, in the last two weeks. And, and you look at what happened today, uh, Florida added four um, guys as, as summer enrollees. And two of those, Lloyd Summerall, and Chris Bogle, you know, fans couldn't wait to say that those guys weren't ever going to make it. So it's it's very unfortunate that that people love harping on the negative when when two, um, and in, including you know Kyir Elam and, and Trent Whittemore from Gainesville, uh, those guys are, are four new guys getting to work, and and I think that that's what the staff is is focused on, despite this um, upsetting news in a sense. Couple of questions, uh, people want to know. Uh, is Zipper going to make it? And what about Henderson? What's the deal? Yeah, Zipper, by all accounts, is going to enroll uh, in, in summer um, summer B there in, in, in June. Um, that's a situation that, that, again, continue to monitor. Um, summer A is, is for, for people who are going to be here all summer. Um, so he still has plenty of time to, to get on campus. Uh, the deadline is, is right there by fall camp at the start really so um if he's still and, and i don't have an inside info that's why i'm kind of not able to give a straight answer if he does still have work to take care of or things that he's waiting on sure. he still does have a little bit of time i, I would assume but but it, it is a situation that the guy was not ready to be on campus for summer a and and maybe that was in the cards for the last month we just don't know can, can we like i don't know how much time you have and i don't want to like keep you or whatever but like I, I was hoping because I, I didn't even tell Buddy this when I came over and I knew you were going to be on. I kind of wanted to like take inventory over like the last, you know, not like like timeline or anything like that. Yeah, you want to like, recap what happened? I, I just want to kind of recap because I've got a lot. I'm sure. With a decommit. Yeah, I start like you, Graham, and Buddy, and us. Like, I mean, please, I love hearing from y'all, but chill out, man. Like, I don't know. Like, no one really knows, and so I mean, we 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 all have you know what we when we went on live last week or whatever. But since that moment, right, um, Steele's gone. Obviously, we talked about Dewan. Obviously, uh, we talked about the two Vanguard kids. Um, you know, you know. I, I just want to kind of recap, you know, where we're at right now at this particular moment. And and you're the best guy to do it. Do you mind? Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that I, I would like to give some perspective on the decommitments Please. because I think that I think that there is this, you know, mindset to oh, you, you see decommitment, the sky is falling. Only 17 or 18 programs heading into last Thursday, only 17 programs in Division One football even had one 2021 kid committed. Uh, there, there's often, unless you're one of the top schools like Alabama or Clemson, you are recruiting these 2021 kids, but you're not really expecting them to hop in. For, right. for Florida to get the early momentum that they did on the trail, the 2020 and 2021 class they did, when those two classes were ranked in the top five, we were talking about that so much because that is such a critical head start for getting a top five class and because it's very rare. It, it is 
it is really one of those signs of a gr- good recruiting program and a program that is seen as being quote unquote back where guys two years down the line are, are willing to buy in. And if anything, it, it is you, when you're having guys who hop out of the class who, who are still 18 months away from signing, they're just doing that for cautionary reasons and to, in a sense, open their options back up so that these other top programs can go after them. When you're able to commit to a program when you're a 2021 prospect, you, you, other programs take note of that. Clemson, Alabama, you saw what happened when Trevante Rucker decided to be the second one to decommit. Louisiana State had him on the phone. Ed Orgeron called him within two hours. Uh, and that's part of the appeal. Bryce Langston has every program in the nation after him. And, and as Buddy knows as well, he had built a rapport just because of his his prestige. He had built a good relationship with Chris Steele, um, two guys who have been pretty heavily involved in the Army All-American Bowl uh, yeah. as well. His um, departure, the circumstances surrounding it, considering that he still had 18 months in his recruitment, those things enough can be enough for a guy to back off. It doesn't mean that the guy won't end up in the class. It doesn't mean that the program is falling. There's just plenty of time for that prospect to find another option and possibly also hop back in the class. There really is little harm to the prospect to do it. Now, it looks bad for the program, and that's why you have everyone out there saying, well, we should not even take year in advance, 18 months in advance, because the the only chance that it can really, the, the worst thing that can happen to you is it can really look bad for you if, if you have some incident happen. No one really gets overly impressed about prospects committing two, three years in advance. So you really have to weigh the, the high risk, low reward in a sense if you're a program or if you're a coach like Dan Mullen. Uh, it, it can end up looking really bad for you if you have a bad incident like this. And this was just uh, Florida kind of having a little bleeding after kind of getting a little bloated with with some high-rated prospects a little bit too early, if you ask me. This is a little bit too early to take 2021 kids, but like I said, only Alabama and Clemson are in the business of turning down any top-rated talent. You look at Trevante Rucker, number 40 overall rated prospect in the country. That would be Chris Steele. That's where Chris Steele finished out in the 2019 class. You look at Bryce Langston, number 10 overall rated prospect in 24-7 sports. That'd be the highest rated prospect to come through Florida's roster since Martez Ivy in 2014. There's a reason that Dan Mullen's not saying no to those kids, but there's also a reason those kids are going to decommit because they know that every program and that, you know, even some D2 ones are going to try and get those kids to at least take a visit, and they really have nothing to lose right now. All right, so one thing we try to do here on the show is try to be rational. Uh, we don't get frantic. That's good. But we also like to be truthful. Uh, yes. And it's not always fun to have to tell the truth. No. And I'll be honest with you, I've been flummoxed about this whole thing. I don't usually even get involved in recruiting that much. You and people like Zach get in more than I do. But this now is me, a little, apparently. Yeah, Brendan. But, but, but this is a little different because so much was riding on this commit and the way the the classes are escalating up the ladder and the number of commits and looking forward to those days when the five stars all come and visit here. But there's a lot of room for, uh, for to, to take a big chill right here and, and think about what you're discussing. Number one, you can't lose something you didn't have. Florida didn't have those kids. They haven't signed anything, sure. right? We yeah. talked about this. I mean, yeah, I understand steel, 
He signed a contract, right? All right, whatever. And we all, that's still not been adjudicated, and the truth will come out someday. But what it tells me is that when I see the tweets, and you are on Twitter more than I am, but I went on Twitter this weekend to see what was going on, and I saw what players came to the defense of their team. And it told me that, number one, they were galvanized by this whole thing and insulted by what Steele did to them. And they took it personally. Now, that might not be very pretty, but I got to tell you, it's very important to the chemistry of a team. Yep, good point. And this is, as we've seen in the past, a Florida program that when the outside is loud or critical, they have rallied within those closed doors and and, and used it to, as, as a strengthening incident. We saw it when they were criticized last year for the Taybang incident and everyone was saying there was disarray in Gainesville. And then the year before when everyone was accusing them of, of petty criminals who loved engaging in credit card fraud, the team was staunchly offended by that. And, and you saw um, these responses on social media, this us against the world mentality that, that Jim McElwain did in part help cultivate that that largely has been missing until recently, until, like you said, this weekend under Dan Mullen. Uh, the success that they were making in the weight room, the progress on the field, that was enough for, for Florida's players to feel like they didn't have to uh, come to the defense of their program or even go on the attack on social media. But when one of their own, and, and this can't be stated enough, this is the top-rated prospect in the class. This is, you know, we talk about optics. You have to think that if this was probably anyone else in Florida's class doing this, you wouldn't have seen the vitriol and the response that you did over the last few nights um, to to his antics because losing Chris Steele does hurt. And I I think that Florida fans, that's probably why the, you know, result you're seeing, uh, the the response you're seeing is because Chris Steele's departure was a, was, I mean, his arrival was heralded the way it was done. And, and Florida's, assertion is DBU. A lot of that rests on getting players of his caliber. Now, Kyir Elam's arrival certainly kind of helps mitigate that, um, but but you're seeing players react because Dan Mullen has come out and said things like he possibly was going to be in line for, for first uh, string playing rotation, depending on Marco Wilson's health, that he certainly was going to see game action probably was not going to redshirt. This is a guy who was going to be a, a valuable contributor as a freshman and him not wanting to be the part of the program. You're seeing Florida fans go on or Florida players go on the attack. And, and it is a very interesting response. I, I'm kind of surprised that all those photos were posted. It, it looked kind of like a coordinated effort. It, it reminded me of when they all were, were posting emojis a few, a few years ago, I, I or agree. it seemed like I 18 agree. months ago. And, and, I thought they were trolling us, to be honest. I thought they were. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were working us a little bit, to be honest. I mean, it was a really. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it was really like a. No, sure, sure. It was like a crazy weekend. Like, and I don't. I try not to plug into the Twitter thing. I mean, because I'm not you. Like, I don't. I'm not a beat reporter. I don't. You know, and I, I understand why it has to happen. And I have. Thank God, I have enough. You know, we have enough people that you know are in the GNK that will keep me updated. Uh, I do shout out to Fletch Page. She's been great sending me stuff and. Uh, a lot, just a lot of the group admins and stuff have like really congealed a little bit, and then like, which has been nice to, as far as sharing. Like, we're we're all trying to make a conscious effort to share responsible information, 
And I think that's really important right now because, you know, a lot of what the information that's out there right now is what's happening on the Gator groups and different things like that. And obviously Twitter, but, you know, you can't dive into it. And I, I don't mean to digress, but I was just saying, you know, sure. you, you, you lamented, you lamented about um, how big a, you know, loss Chris Steele is and, and was or whatever. Do you, did it go? Do you think? And I don't. I'm not going to be speculative, whatever. But do you think it was a homesickness thing? Do you think it was that kind of? Was it that basic? Do you think it was like I just don't want to be involved with this? Dad doesn't want to do it. Like, I, I mean, do you, do you have? I, I'm willing or not. I'm putting you on the spot, but you're willing to share any sort of insight because I've heard all this kind of stuff. I, I, was it a was it a coaching problem? I mean, I think people do want to know because it's not just like losing, you know, whomever two, three, four star guy. I mean, Chris Steele was. I mean, we were all very excited for him. All right, now what's the question? Sure. Yeah, let me – Let me. there's a few things I want to, you know, preface that. And, and let me let's, – let's be honest. Please. Anyone who – yeah, for sure. If, if anyone, anyone who didn't expect or didn't, wouldn't, you know, understand if Chris Steele were to be a little homesick from coming from 3,000-plus miles away to Gainesville – then then you're kidding yourself um this is he's not the first this has happened numerous times not even just at florida but it happens every single year um now those two things aren't mutually exclusive just because he was homesick even for a little while does not mean that that was a big reason why he left if you were to ask chris Steele, and this is just me assuming if you were to ask him if he was homesick he would tell you absolutely not in April, was I homesick? When I look at those tweets that everyone has made a, a big deal about, I, I look at it from a different perspective than others. And I'm just going to mainly pose a few questions for people because because if you go on my Twitter account, I've, I really haven't been saying anything. I've just been kind of reading and observing. And I've seen a lot of reactions and, and hot takes and a few sites writing some things. And, and I, I have, I've had a few thoughts. One... I think I see people making a big deal about the tweets from Chris Steele's dad on the oh, day of the spring game. I'm glad you're addressing this. And I don't, and I'm not, I don't claim to have any background knowledge, but people think that people are acting like detectives. And I just have to turn <laughs> around one question on, on, on everyone. You, when people look at the tweet and they, they instantly think like, why would he post that? If he knew about what was going on at, with in Gainesville, right? That's the general yeah. question no, we're I, seeing I on agree. social media. I'm, I'm, I'm agree with you. Okay. Yeah. By asking that question, you're already jumping to the assumption that his dad was aware of the allegations on that day. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying that UF tr told him or didn't tell him. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. There are more questions that people are not asking and jumping to the assumption. This is it is perfectly possible that his dad did not know. It's perfectly possible that he did know. It's perfectly possible that those tweet interactions between Jalen and Chris Steele between March were one guy trying to be diplomatic or or we don't we don't know those things. I'm just saying a lot of people are rushing to assumptions. And it's it's not just fans. It's it's there are some columnists out there. I'm I'm not immune to, you know, seeing those things. I'm not going to, you know, solely defend 
media in this. I've read some absolutely terrible takes, and, and I think some of you guys know the ones I'm talking about. Um, but I, I think that the, the most true consensus is that there are facts on both sides that are not out. Um, but I, I, I just want to keep cautioning people to stop rushing to assumptions. And, and I, I think that I can leave it at that. Any more questions you guys got? Sure, right, I can. Here's the final thing yeah. I want to say. Sure. Um, what else you what? do? Okay. Well, I was going to say, before you said, what did his dad say? Because there are a lot of questions. So people didn't know. And I just wanted to finish it up. I want to, you know, talk well, to Bo. What did his dad well, say? Well, his dad said, his dad's tweet on the day of the spring game said that he loved the Gators and he loved Coach Mullen. Now, I I just want to, you know, that's how do I say this? By believing that his dad posted that, knowing about the allegations, you have to believe that an 18 year old, maybe possibly even a 17 year old, who was concerned already about you know his you know upsetting his parents, being across the country. You're assuming that just because he insta- instantly was named in this police report, which let's let's be honest, we also have no way of knowing that he was even aware of a police report until Jones's information Agreed. came out. Agreed. Um, and and so it is perfectly reasonable. And again, I got to keep prefacing this that I'm I cannot speak in absolutes and and say that this is what happened. I'm not gonna, you know, be I can't do that in any sense, but. A lot of us, I, I think we can all relate to being 17, 18 and, and being possibly involved in a police manner, but knowing that we did nothing wrong and feeling no need to worry or concern our parents who are uh, across the country. Well, you're trying to be about. an adult. You're trying to. And, and if you really feel like you did anything wrong, why even call your mom? And so all I'm saying is that it is perfectly possible when his dad posted that that tweet a week after it happened, the incident allegedly happened, that his dad was not aware. And I'm not saying that Chris should have told him if he didn't tell him. I'm not saying UF should have told his dad if they didn't tell him. I'm just saying we do not know. Nobody knows that. No one has said that. You have, have not you have not said if they've told him. His family has not said anything to any reporter. And so all I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is because people in their questioning about the incident are jumping to the assumption that they that the Steele family knew everything from the day after it happened, that they were instantly plugged in. And that is an assumption none of us are, are qualified to make, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, good said. stuff, uh, Graham. Well, good right. stuff, buddy. One, I want to get one thing if I can before we go off the air, but of course, yeah. And, and, and thank you for that great information. Appreciate it. Well, we still have Franz Beard after Bertrand going off the air. He's still around. Um, He's going to be around. So anyway, so uh, I wanted to say, so where are we left? You are a reporter. You want Damn to know one. You want to know what happened. I am a basically at heart a reporter. Brendan has a natural curiosity. I'm a drinker and, and a so, fan. So when you want to go forward and advance the story, where does one go? I think I know the answer. You have well, to go I'll, I'll to tell the you stores. You know you yeah. can't get, you're not going to get the Steele family, but sure. something else is going on in the recruiting community right now among other players. And I'm asking, and you're asking, and Brennan's asking, what's going on? What's wrong? 
Well, the natural place would be to ask some of those players who have decommitted, right? Yeah. But how sure. do you do that? Well, the, with the 2021 kids are, are always going to attribute opening up their recruitment just to keeping their options open. It's kind of like, you know, and again, something that a lot of people can relate to. Anytime you feel like you rushed into a decision, if you feel like you have enough time to get out, you're going to look out elsewhere. And, and that's what a lot of these 2021 kids are doing. Dink, Dink Jackson is a guy who's rated around 200th nationally, but there is this this mentality that that he could quickly rise up um, with a strong junior season. Junior seasons are really when recruiting boards get shifted around. So some of these guys like Trevante Rucker, uh, especially Bryce Langston, could have Clemson and Alabama uh, vying for his services. It just does make sense for that. And and if you're Florida, if you're a Florida fan, you want to be after these players early that Clemson and Alabama are then going to come knocking for. Now, if I'm Dan Mullen and and you look at what has been going on in my recruiting offices recently, the issues with Otis losing Cordell Landers, um, missing out on the top running back in the state of Florida in back-to-back classes, oh, issues wrong. like that. If I'm Dan Mullen, I'm retooling how I talk to kids, how I sell my program um, and, and I think that I that 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 office, let's be honest, needs a little bit of tuning up. I think that Dan Mullen would would admit to that himself. And the other thing that I think that we we have to address, it's kind of the elephant in the room. If if you saw Demarcus Bowman's quotes, if you saw all the guys who go to Clemson and Alabama on visits and 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 the works like that, they all talk about the facilities. And Florida is not really there yet, where where they can start using those as selling points. And and it was. It was working for a little bit for the 2021 kids because you can start talking to those kids about they will still be an underclassman when they get to the football standalone facility. But going to Clemson, touring those facilities, that's what matters. And and Florida is going to keep having to rely on winning on the field and, and impressing kids and getting out ahead of them because they're not at a place where they can suffer hits like this and still retain these top 50 prospects. Well, maybe you will be able to, and I will be able to, and Brendan will be able to enlighten a few people with some of those interviews, which we hope to have this week. Yeah. yeah I, I hope so. Yeah, we, and I, and I will, I don't know about you guys. Bang. I'll, I'll be at, uh, at Dan Mullen on Wednesday. Um, you're going to go to Tampa. In Tampa. Yep, I'll be in Tampa. Yep. Well, listen, we need to will get you, will you, Can we like? Can we? Can we coordinate? Maybe. Uh, you have yeah, you, are you, the, will y'all be there? Well, I know, but on. the Wednesday night, can we coordinate? Well, something got to pop on Wednesday. Okay? Can we coordinate? We, we a, might have sure. our things, and then the, you the wanna, morning. You want to know about what we're doing Wednesday? Right. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Let's um, do it. And yeah. we want to know what you're doing. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, and lastly, this is my last point, and I have to. You know, I've been taught. I gotta say, Fletch Page and that whole Gator Maid situation, she's got she's got it she's got it figured out over there. She's got a lot of information. She's got a lot of good stuff, um, and she's a, and she's a friend of the Buddy Martin show. Uh, she made a great point. Twenty, what was it? Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. New facilities will be done. We yep. can address uh, some of these athletes. All of those kids that decommitted, and, and you know maybe we'll talk to her or not. Um, they're going to be at Friday Night Lights. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you on yeah, Wednesday. I, no doubt. Right. No. And, and then we're going to have some facilities by 2020. The University of Florida is going to have some facilities. We'll see trying. about that. Hopefully. We're going to have it. And they'll get more practice time. You guys have you guys have heard the practice time rant. They'll, they'll definitely get more. 
out of their their NCA allocated time. Guys, it's always my pleasure joining, Thank and I'll you. see you Wednesday for sure. Yes, right. sir, of information. Right, Thank you very much. Good Thanks, stuff. gentlemen. Thanks, Y'all buddy. take care. Grandma. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, you can dial up France while I, I will. do this. Sorry, Francis. Uh, yeah, you can, I, we'll take that down. So I got to put the Renstar logo up there, which is right okay. there. All right, here we go. Well, you do. I'll put the Renstar logo up. Let's let, first of all, let's um, let's get back to our. I'll name. go ahead and tell folks about Renstar. Uh, it's yeah. very important that this this company does things on two fronts in our community, uh, and uh, also in addition to doing a great members of the community supporting things like the quarterback club, the Scott Brantley trophy, et cetera. They also are looking out for our health. One of the biggest things going in our society, our community today is Alzheimer's and dementia. Most people feel like it's a death Scary. sentence when you get that. Uh, this doesn't have to be the case. It's important, as they say at Winstar, to educate our physicians and patients about this disease. They have they have stuff like what they're called Basic Knowledge of Alzheimer's Disease by Dr. Weiss. She gives a talk about it, working hard to educate the patients, caregivers, and physicians about the disease in rural areas as well. So it's a superior medical research facility with a proven reputation as a high-quality, patient-centered clinical research laboratory. Rinsford Medical Research brings cutting-edge technology to research trials in Ocala for Alzheimer's, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraine, and fibromyalgia. So uh, if you want to know more about this, there's a possibility uh, you can get a free memory evaluation. Uh, call 352-629-5800 or go on www.rinstar.net and find out about Rinstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. I believe we have Franz. I wouldn't blame you if he wasn't speaking to us. Don't be mad at me, Franz. Yeah, it's my yeah, fault. Be mad. You can be mad at him. It's my fault, Franz. I know. I know. Your fault and your dad's. No, it's definitely my <laughs> fault. It's totally my fault, Francis. I came in, I screwed up the whole deal tonight. What's up, Francis? Well, it's, uh, you know, uh, another day at the office, and I uh, got my um, facilities ratings out. Yeah. Oh, well, we've been, perfect time. We've been talking about that a lot in the last 45 minutes yep. about the recruiting issues, and we talked this afternoon earlier about it. And you got your, so why don't you go ahead and give them to us? All right. Number one and 1A are Arkansas and Texas A&M. Shot the helicopter door. With, really? With, complete with facilities that, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, and Alabama's not that far behind. What's the, break, <laughs> what's the breakdown, France? How do, you, how do you determine, like, greatness in facilities? Well, it, it, you know, we, let's start with the, with the three most important sports on campus, which are football, baseball, and basketball. Oh, I see. Okay, nice. And, and, and with heavy emphasis to what what you've got on the football package, um, you know, uh, you look at at the you look at the overall facilities. Though, I mean, Arkansas, the, Frank Broyles was an absolute genius as an AD, in that he got a bunch of competing billionaires to fight for the right to spend all sorts of money and get their names on on uh, stadiums. Uh, the Reynolds hate the Tysons. The Tysons hate the Waltons. Half the people in in the Walton uh, who are Walton billionaires don't like the others. And he got them all to compete for, to give 
to give billions of millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, Jerry Jones, he got to give $67 million to build a new academic and, and dining center. Uh, Fred Smith at, at FedEx, he, uh, he got him to give a bunch of money. Uh, you know, Fred Smith didn't even go to Arkansas. Uh, it, it's absolutely amazing. And then, of course, there's that old saying that only God and the Longhorns have more money than the Aggies, and the Aggies say the Longhorns are feeling the heat right now. Well, that's um, the truth. Look at Jimbo's salary. Well, here's the thing that tells you how much money they've got. When they renovated Kyle Field, the price tag was $485 million. They raised the money in five months, and it was all paid for in cash. They got their stadium completely renovated. They tore down one side of it and never missed uh, a game in one season. Then they tore down the other side of it, never missed a game. And now they have 100. They expanded the stadium from 84,000 to 102,000. And it is an absolute palace. Now. now, they don't have a problem that some of college football stadiums are having right now, which is getting cheeks in the seats. I have seen – I had a girlfriend there at one point, so I went to many games uh, there. And I had a girlfriend at UT, so I have been to both places. But I will say um, what they do at A&M with bringing their they – bring, they bring the incoming freshmen in a week early – and they they call it fish school, and they just teach them like the like the calls and stuff that they do on the side of the field. Like they they yelled. Like the yell, and and then you've got Friday night. They do you know, midnight yell, and then you know Saturday game. So like you have, and not to mention it's a military school, and there's all that tradition that goes along with that. You have unbelievable, and then you're in Texas. You have unbelievable uh, amounts of uh, uh, connections and money. I think to that school, and whether you like it or not, if you're a fan of college football, it is. I, I always thought it was a great place to kind of like visit and see because this tradition, right, friends? Well, they've got good traditions, but here's something else these places have done. I was talking to, I was talking to a very prominent UF alumni who's been uh, higher up in the boosters just recently, and he said that. Scott Strickland has really, really taken on the burden of going to the corporations and getting the sponsorships. And he said, you know, fans feel tapped out in a lot of respects. And he said, that's where the money is. And you look at it. And if you don't believe it, look at look at the Arkansas money, Walton Arena, as in Walmart. You know, uh, you look at you, you look at Jerry Jones, the Jerry Jones Center, as in Dallas Cowboys, Fred Smith, as in FedEx, Tyson, as in Tyson Chicken, Reynolds, as in Reynolds Aluminum. But they've gone out. They've gotten the corporate money. Mitch Barnhart is starting to do a really good job of that at um, at Kentucky. He got. Kroger grocery stores to, to uh, put up humongous bucks that paid for the entire renovation of their football stadium. That's what it's going to take. You want to win the arms race, you got you got to do those things. And the schools that are at the top of this stuff, 
have done the best job of getting mm. the big bucks people to uh, and the big corporations to to buy in. And no, it's Francis, that hasn't been done. Francis, I just got a text from uh, FedEx. They said they pay you a thousand dollars to turn your phone sideways. <laughs> that's that's funny. That's just, nice how you did that. Yeah, yeah. A, you know, France. He's a producer. He now. wants some money. He he's a producer some, now. Takes some money. He, he's a producer now. Hey, France. Look how much handsome he looks. France, twenty twenty one, Florida is slated to be done with their facilities, our facilities. Because I'm a huge, I'm a huge Gator fan. Um, what kind of effect do you think? If at all, will that have on the incoming class, i.e. the ones that are talking about decommitting that you know we'll see at Friday Night Lights and all that? Well, it's going to have a huge effect on these things. It, it's not, you know, here's the thing that kids want to see. They want to see commitment. Talk is cheap. They want to see commitment. And they haven't seen that in years and years and years at the University of Florida. I hate to say it, but they really haven't seen the commitment. And that's what it's going to take is Florida is going to have to show commitment to these kids or else it ain't going to happen. Go ahead. Take your Come punch. On. Take your punch at Jeremy again. I know you want to throw a punch I, at You know, I've said I all along, you Jeremy, Foley's, Jeremy Foley's greatest, the greatest oh, accomplishment of no, Jeremy like Foley, it. without question, was he kept Florida clean. And in, in, in when he took over as the athletic director, Florida was considered an outlaw school in football and basketball. Um, Hard beat away from the death penalty. I, you got it. It was a, a bad, bad, bad reputation. Jeremy cleaned it up. I give Jeremy all the credit in the world for that. Whoa. Um, I give him credit, I praise for, from you, credit for demanding uh, higher academics out of the players. I, I, you know, he, he did a lot of good things, but facilities was not his forte. No, because he was old school, right? Just like hiring football. He coaches. was old school. Just like the arms race. Like the arms race. He was old school. You have to, you have to know where he came from. And like Franz said, he built the program back from this nearly the shambles. So he did do his part there. Hey, Franz, let me shoot. Well, are, you, are we shifting gears? Where are you, sh where are you shifting? Subject. Where are we shifting? I want to shut. I want to talk about because I was going to shift to Chris Steele. Go ahead. Whoa! Whoa! Go ahead. Whoa! It's like. It's Go like ahead. we're father and son. Go ahead. It's like we're DNA. Shift. He DNA. Shift. You feel he that, Franz? I want to shift to Chris Steele. He wanted to shift with me. Hey, Franz, let's shift to Chris Steele. What happened? He left. Great story. Good talk. Franz Beard, everybody. No, Franz. Hey, he left. And, and he left. And, and you. Uh, uh, there was a false report that he was coming back. Can I, can I give you props? Because you know I've been banging on you all weekend, right? I mean, you know. Franz, what's going on? Franz, hey, Franz, what's happening in Gainesville? I know you're annoyed with me, but you love me, and I have a hall pass, so it's cool because we have history. But, Franz, I mean, you're the when everyone was saying, he's coming back, he's coming back, I got a source, my source tells me he's coming home, he's going to be here. Franz, we're the only one that told me not to believe it. So Well, it, it, here's the thing is, you know, there is always that chance that he could come back. You know, donkeys could fly. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, Buddy Martin, Buddy Martin could be asked to become the pole vaulter on the 2020 
Olympic Olympic team. And God knows he was a great pole vaulter. He was a great pole vaulter in high school. Okay, friends. Back in back in his day, I am one of the few people that know that Buddy Martin could pole vault. Find the hole. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the, but here's the thing. There's always that chance. I'm writing about it today, tonight. But you're the only one with a voice of reason in this entire thing. Other than Buddy, you and Buddy were both. I would give you. I just heard a couple other guys who were. Francis is like me. He's an old dog who has to wait it out. We have to wait it out sometimes. I don't know. Here's the thing I'm writing about about tomorrow. What happened? You know, it is not time to panic. It is not the end of the world. I'll give you an example. You know, last week, Mississippi State lost two of its top recruits on the same day. LSU had the stud stud linebacker they craved more than anything in the world, got flipped to Oregon. Uh, Kids leave. You know, Justin Fields left Georgia after one year and went to Ohio State. What did that do? That caused Ohio State's stud quarterback. All right, I get it. But what happened with Chris Steele? My point is this. Kids go. There is no sense of loyalty like we used to have. So what happened with Steele? If this had been 10 years ago, Chris Steele would have gone to the coach and said, I got a problem. I'm thinking about going talk me into this. And when the coach talked him into it, there was about a 98% chance he would have stayed. That has ended. And part of the reason it has ended is because the rules have gotten so liberal when it comes to transfers. And kids, you know, kids in the recruiting process, it's all about their 15 minutes of fame. And they don't think anything of it anymore. To, you know, Twitter is ESPN, friends. Consider this for a moment. Chris Steele was originally committed to UCLA. Then he decommitted UCLA, and then he committed to Southern Cal. He sounds like a cowboy to me. Which he decommitted, and then he he signed with Florida. And now he has decommitted Florida, and he's going to go someplace else. This will be four schools, and he hasn't even played a down of football yet. It sounds like he's from California. Well, it, it sounds like he's just... Part of this new wave of kids. There is no sense of commitment. There's no sense of loyalty. I want to like see what the ruling on this is going to be because it's really going to be interesting if indeed the NCAA is tightening, tightening up a little bit in the portal. Uh, I want to see how this plays out because not that it matters because he's gone, but oh, he's way I gone. think you have to see how it's adjudicated and whether or not Florida was remiss or negligent and not fulfilling his request about moving as a roommate out of Jalen Jones' room. A lot of people think, and this is just talk, I don't like to yell in rumors, is that was concocted. Anyway, bottom line is he's gone. He's not coming back. But I do want to see if they tighten up on the portal just a little bit and about playing the first year. And that is what this is about, by the way, is being able to get permission to play right away. Well, here, here's a here's a rule. I love that hanging I out with you too. By the way, I honestly, like, I don't say this very often because I'm a pretty grouchy, shitty guy. Like, I like hanging out with friends and buddy because I, I I hear I do learn something new every day. Jake Allen Lamb, I do learn something new every day when I hang out with them. Okay, go, friend. 
Here, here's something that I would like to see happen. I'd like to see the NCAA tell a kid, if you transfer before you have completed at least two years, you will sit out no matter the circumstance, unless it is extenuating. For example, the kid who wanted to, from Georgia who wanted to transfer to Illinois because his father is dying of cancer. That kid should be allowed to transfer, and he wasn't. And they let Justin Fields transfer to Ohio State from Georgia, all because the kid said, well, somebody said something that was racist. Oh, give me a break. Yeah, that was a big story there. I mean, I mean, he's going to be, you know, the kid wants to be a professional quarterback. If he gets all, all upset because somebody in the stand said something racist, then wait till he gets in the NFL and he throw, has his first four interception game. Then he's going to really hear some stuff. No, he's going to be lucky to hear racist statements because they're going to get much worse. All right, let's go. Let's do go with this final question tonight. Dan uh, apparently Dan is going to speak at Tampa, and I, I think it's a Tampa Gator Club on Wednesday night. We hope to have multiple people there to report for us. What's your guess on what he will say? down there regarding the situation with Steele. How would you guess he will couch this? He's going to say, Bye, kid, you know, he said, we had him. The kid left. If there's a problem, we'll address it. And we're going to move on to the next guy. It's not the end of the world. It is It is not the end no. of the world. Can I ask you both? No can I ask you both? anyone to panic. Can I ask you both a question then? Like, I, 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 I you know, and I, from you guys are, I mean, to me, for it's like you know, pay homage by the fact. But you guys, between you two, like you know, I know nothing. So, you know, I, I, I how big is the loss? I guess in your in your mind, do you think it's that big? Is everyone saying no. it's going to be? Is Elam that good? Can he? I mean, like if he gets hurt, I know I get it. Blah blah blah. That Florida, Florida is going to be. Florida will have as good a corners as there are in the country. The kid wasn't going to start this year, barring an injury. He wasn't. He might have seen the field more often as a nickel, but Florida's got people that can play that. The athletes are here. Dan Mullen's going to be good. He's going to be fine. Now, when it's going to hurt, eh, maybe next year, not this year. Maybe next year it does. If they don't recruit adequate replacements this year, then you'll see. Then you may see. Then you may see a Florida pull, feel some pain from this. As it is, yeah, it's an embarrassment. Do you, are you happy about it? No. But is it the end of the world? No. Is there a reason to panic? Hardly at all. Will Florida recover? Absolutely. You know. And 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 here's something. Put you. You want to put something in real perspective. Let, let me throw up the, the one name for you, uh, for you, of a team. Kentucky basketball. Oh. In the last four years, they have lost 16 guys early entry to the NBA, and they have lost four kids to transfer. And guess what happens to them? They just keep on doing it. Do we have they to discuss play. Michigan basketball right now with Billy Donovan? Oh, my God. I can't even. So right let's catch it earlier in the week. So we're running way over. Uh, Billy Donna, yeah. my guess is this. I'll Go make ahead, a friend. big guess. I'll make it, make you a bet right now. Billy Donovan 
is the one and only guy that Michigan really wants. Oh, yeah. And they're going to make him an offer that might be exceedingly and excessively difficult for him to refuse. Oh. And the idea that it is it is Ann Arbor, Michigan, Blue Blood School, the Big Ten, where he's going to have, be able to coach against Tom Izzo, who's one of his buddies right across the state from him. Uh, he's going to be able to recruit Chicago. He's going to be able to recruit Detroit and Cleveland and these places, Indianapolis, all within a driving distance of his school. They have, I would say, a 60% chance of getting Billy Donovan. Uh, and how? Francis, uh, when's the last time you've been to Griner's? When's the last time I was at Griner's? Yeah. I hadn't been there often enough, buddy. You know, it, you knew all you well, and uh, I knew all you well. He, uh, but, but they carry polo, and I wear polo, as you know. Well, they do. Can I speak to Grinders? Lines. Because as a younger, I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, make you all feel bad. As a younger guy in Ocala, who's going to be here for a long time, I love Grinders for ask, men. As friends, as friends. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you myself about Grinders for men because. I uh, have been going there since I can remember. I remember Augie, and now I know David, and David just runs owns a shop down there. Grinders for Men downtown is dedicated to delivering the highest quality in men's clothing while maintaining the highest standards of customer service. Building relationships with our clients that last generations, from dress shirts, suits, and sportswear to jeans, casual wear and accessories, Grinders has everything you need for all of occasions. Stop by 405 East Silver Springs Boulevard and see for yourself there's no other like it, Grinders for Men, and I truly do shop there. All right. There you taste for that. I'm telling you right now, from the grave, Augie is proud of you, Brendan. Oh, I love me some Augie Grinder. I love me some Susan Grinder. I love the Grinders family. They're fantastic family friends. They're great people of Ocala. And David's done a great job of carrying on that tradition. Really, All right. David's a fantastic guy. All right, friends. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it very much. And hey, you have friends, a good night. I'm going to call you to the, in the morning. Call me in the morning. Talk to you I'm soon. I'm available. Friends My beard. phone works. The Iron Dude. Good night, buddy. Good night, Same. friends. I love friends. I'm beard. getting a little bit hungry here. I know you're a little. You get. You seem a little hangry. Yeah, I'm I think you should have had one of my highlights. It might no, help I'm you. good with that right now. But I'm going to tell you about a place that has got some good stuff. And when I whoa, it's on my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, this is what you wish is there right Mark's here. Mark's Prime Rib in downtown O'Connor. Right it's a fantastic. No, what is, is that? That's truffle fries, dude. Truffle fries. Truffle fries. Beautiful, man. delicious. It's among the things they have at uh, at Mark's right over your face there. It's right. over. Mark's Prime Rib Seafood. Just want to tell you, if you want a really good meal and you want good service, and uh, I've been fortunate to go to some good restaurants in my lifetime. You have too. Uh, I never forget the night you were in New Orleans when you got blown away. But bottom line is this this place is right up there, and I go there frequently because I love their service. I love the ambiance of the place. I like the food. I like the dedication to what they call the unique dining experience, and that would be Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. I could go down the menu for you and tell you. But I got pictures of food tonight. I dug them out especially for you. Sometimes I go there and just eat hors d'oeuvres like this. And they sit on the front porch, which I'll show you a picture of later. Yeah, we've done it many times. Fantastic place. Two locations to serve. You got one here in Ocala. 
Call them at uh, 352-402-0097. Gainesville, 352-336-0077. Mark's Pimes Takehouse and Seafood. They have a goal to create a unique dining experience that you'll never forget. Check Listen, them out. And, and when you go in there, if you're in Ocala, talk to Cindy. Tell them Buddy. Tell them the Buddy Martin Show sent you down there. And I will tell you this. If you are looking for a place to celebrate anything, like my brother-in-law the other day, who went down there to celebrate his anniversary, you know, we called down there, we talked to a couple of people, and they truly made, because the service, and I worked in restaurants for 10 they truly made it a unique dining experience for everyone there. And uh, if you're going to celebrate something in this area, you got to go to Mark's. So I love it. All right. Buddy, I know you want to hang up. I Go know ahead, you want to hang up. I want to talk. I, 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 I have. I have talked You're to. All, you no, no. Go ahead. No, I talked to Graham. I talked to Franz. Uh, I have talked to multiple Lynn. All these people online, but I haven't talked to the person that I think I need to talk to more than anybody else, and that's you, Dan Mullen. Oh. No, it's you. It's actually you. It's actually the person who I've been hashtag Godfathering all over the Gator groups. But I would truly, I, I and and you know, you know how I this hurts me to say any of this. How? What is your opinion about what is happening currently uh, with Chris Steele and the Gator organization? What you know, with 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 you know, what may happen on Wednesday and our interviews, all that kind of stuff. Can you give me the Buddy Martin take, please? I'm gonna I'm gonna just. It's pretty simple. What looks like Grand Canyon sometimes turns out to be a pothole. So I think it's too early to judge that. Disappointing, yes. But like Franz just said, and like Todd Swearingen said, a beautiful piece he wrote about this, this is what the life is like in recruiting with young kids making decisions. And I'll leave you with this story. When I went to college, I was uh, 19, almost 19, and all my friends from my Ocala belonged to a certain fraternity. And it was a good fraternity, and I liked was it. Was it my fraternity? Uh, no. But this, it, was, it was Sigma Chi. Uh, hi. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, Sigma Chi was the fraternity in Ocala. Coke. In Ocala. And everybody for years, not everybody, but most people went there since I was a junior in high school, I went to recruiting parties for Sigma Chi. It was a foregone conclusion I would be a Sigma Chi because one of my best friends was Sigma Chi. A year ahead of me, he was there, and he was just going to make it happen. Ed. I got there, and I decided I wanted to wait it out a little bit. Maybe I wanted to be rushed a little bit, have a chance to see other things and people. I mean, you, let's be honest, you'd like to be flirted uh, with. No, nope, not that. There were other people I met in okay. my dormitory and places that I liked a lot who were not Sigma Chi's. And I struggled with my grades, so I thought, I'm going to wait a semester and then I'll play Sigma Chi. But you know what happened? I went to the Fidel house once with my friend Pat Telly at Tampa, and I just fit right in there. It felt like me. Home. And Lenny Johnson, who now lives here and goes to my church, was not from here, came over to my dormitory one day and said, you know what? You came over to the house. You had lunch there. You met the brothers. They like you. They want you to become a Fidel. I know you need some time. Think it over and get back to me. And I said, no, I don't. I want to be a Fidel. Right. 
Why? I don't know. It just felt like the right thing to and do. It was for you. Uh, I feel bad and for my lay friend. I mean, come on. But this is what some the of the people that you met at the attic rats and all that. I mean, truly. As it turned out. But as it turned out was. I I'm mean, just saying, kids. All right. So fast. Teenagers. Forward. That I'm fast. It. All right. Teenagers making decisions don't always make the best decisions. Although I will never forget that one. It was the right one. They don't know what to do. It's just what feels right to them at right. that point. This week later on, without saying too much, we're going to talk to some. We'll find out. What would you ask them? I mean, what's going on with you, my brother? You know, what's it like to be everybody in the world wanting you to come to their school? How do you feel about it once you commit? And people stop knocking on your door and calling you on the phone. Can you it, can you reveal any anything no, more about no. what you're talking about? No, I can't. You can't no. until Wednesday morning potentially. Maybe we'll see. Then we might we talk to, to some people. It's a sensitive situation, and I don't want to embarrass the kids. And I want to find out what they're thinking. Let's hear from them. Maybe then we can talk to them. We'll see. If anybody can talk to them, it's you. We'll see about that. Well, there's other guys too that can. So that's it. Maybe for the you night. need some meat. Maybe you need maybe maybe you need maybe a little so. crown prince. Maybe you should be doing it. So there you go. No, I mean you know, just like I talk to the people. Just my people. All right, we're twenty five minutes over. Um, You're welcome. We're twenty five minutes over. You're welcome. Thank you, folks. It's always longer when the crown prince is here when he's in talkative mood. Appreciate you coming over. I'm not. I'm always in a talking. Appreciate you coming. Well, not always. I've been working all weekend on this stuff. Yeah, Chris Steele drama. Let's see it. I want to thank everybody here uh, for what a great crowd tonight. We had a nice audience. We appreciate that. We are going to have some news. Let me just put up one thing. I've got Griner's clothing on my head. I got to put something up here if I can locate it and. uh, I want to say thank you to some special people. Oh yeah, that's important. Um, this is uh, this is these are the reason. This is the reason we're here. People like this right here. It's amazing how generous the people are who watch this show. Truly. And every week somebody steps up and says, "I want to help keep the lights on." And believe you me, we wouldn't have them on without these people. And just today. Mike Mahortis, once again, generously made a donation to Venmo. Dan Bond did over the weekend. And, of course, we had Sissy Long and Steve Young, David Baldoff, many more sent money to Venmo at Buddy Martin Show. I can only say thank you, thank you, thank you. It does make a difference. And we are going to have some news here soon. I promise you there's some legal details we can't work out. But but we're going to have it. Because we are endeavoring... To, I mean, to do something big. Or different, maybe. Or or maybe but different. Different together. Different because people don't do that anymore. <laughs> maybe a little journalism. Could be old school. We'll like, see. Like a little bit of journalism. We're very excited about it. Journalist. It's something you when you hear about it and only a couple of you know and you have to be sh- sh- because, well, let's put it this way. The ink's not dry, right? All right. And um, thanks very much. To As, whom? Who are you thanking? Thanks to the people from from the... Well, I'm going to change the name of that, but keeping the lights on. Thank you for these people and all of you who support us and who listen to the show. I mean... Tell them good night. Well... Type it in. I will tell them good night, but I will say, um, you know, truly, this this show is funded by what y'all said. Generosity of people. It is. And and we may have or we may not have a, a whole new announcement on top of that. So... This week is really big. 
Potentially. Right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna buy like British keep stuff. us in your prayers. Kind of big, right? Yep. I would say. Because okay. all the stuff that y'all been doing and all the stuff that we've been doing, you everything since the airport, like we've been squirreling away the money and we have been trying. And we might have leaked out what money are you scrolling away, I wanna know. Well, I'm talking about to pay down any of the debt that oh, we've accrued over good the luck last on that. two years. Good luck on that. It's like That's a not going to happen for a apartment. long time. It's okay. It's good. Like Thank Nick you. Hubert said, I care that much about recruiting. Good night, everybody. Thanks for good watching. Good night, everybody. We love you. It was good. Thanks for coming out in full force. Peace.